What's up, my people? Welcome to Fellowship Bible Church's Sermon Spotlight. We are coming at you each and every week with a fresh weekend to debrief an effort to send biblical truth. And what better way to do that than by the power of conversation? I'm one of your hosts, Caleb Pearson. Joining me again, uh, my lovely co-host, Alicia Battaglia. Alicia, how are you? I'm windblown. It is very, very windy outside. Yeah, first snow of the year, by the way. It snowed oh, on my way here, I big saw, time. I saw snowflakes out my window, too. And I lost my cornucopia. My cornucopia blew away. It was on my front Is that porch. like a Thanksgiving thing? Yeah, the, 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 horn, the horn of plenty, you know, mm. for Thanksgiving. It's oh, okay. mm. an I omen. Had, um, <laughs> Wait, it just blew away? Yeah, it blew away. But, you know, Blessing your neighbors. there's going to be a thankful creature somewhere out in the woods that That's will perfect. find it and make a home. That's perfect. Either right that there. or it'll get its head caught in it. <laughs> <laughs> one way or another. And it's big enough. One it's less enough. friendly creature out there. <laughs> <laughs> you hear him already. He's back. Senior pastor, Mark Carey. Mark and Mark, how are you doing, my guy? Very well. Good. Very good. Yeah. Good. Guys, what a weekend. Okay? I think sometimes we come to Sermon Spotlight and we're like, okay, like let's debrief it a little bit. Let's talk about some stuff. Uh, two big talking points for sure. So I want to go ahead and jump directly into a Sunday in review. We'll see how long this podcast ends up going. Uh, I want to talk about uh, adoption for one, and then uh, dive into verse 17, Romans 8, 17 for two. So, Pastor Mark, you had mentioned adoption in service about um, to kind of expound on that. So I want to throw it your way first on on maybe something that wasn't in the service that you'd like to bring up and discuss, and Alicia and I can kind of throw our thoughts out there. Yeah, there's, there's some real similarities uh, with the Romans passage that he talks about this idea of adoption with uh, his first epistle, Galatians. So if we went to Galatians chapter 3, um, Paul is saying uh, there in verse 23 that before faith came, we were kept in custody under the law, which uh, are being shut up to the faith which was later to be revealed. Therefore, the law has become our, our tutor, it says, this translation, uh, to lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith. And then he says in verse 25 and 26, But now that faith has come, we're no longer under a tutor, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Um, and, and, and so there's this idea of being under the law hmm. and then being a full-fledged son. That under the law means uh, you had to be, you, you were under a tutor. And that word tutor is a word that means in that culture, it was someone who was assigned to basically raise the child, go to school with the child, um, make sure the child stayed, the moral teachings of the child. And, and then once that child reached that was bar mitzvahed in the, in the Jewish context or in the Greek context, it was something else, they became the, they were free of that tutor and they became now a full, a full-fledged son, a legal a legal heir. And Paul is talking here that's saying before Messiah came, there was the law. And we were all under the dictates and the control of the law. And of course, we know the problem that the Galatians were facing is they were slipping back under that. And Paul is trying to explain to them, you don't need that. The law was given for this tutorage, for this ch child. Um, and then my translation says to lead us to Christ, and that that's if you that's in italics, which means it's not in the original. And originally the word means until Christ. It's a it's a chronological marker. 
the laws there until Messiah came. And once the Messiah came, then we're of faith, and we walk by faith, and we're full-fledged sons. And so there's this, uh, he goes on, and then in chapter 4, verse 4 says, But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth his Spirit, the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, and we cry, Abba, Father, and so therefore you're no longer a slave, but a son. You're not under the dictates of the law, which was enslaving. Now we go back to the Romans passage. And what has he just been talking about? What happened to the Apostle Paul as a believer in chapter 7? Put himself back under the law. You know, the, the, the personal pronoun I is used all the time. I did this and I did this. And he's trying and the good I want to do, I don't do. And he, he's put himself back under the law. And so this thing of adoption, and I, it, it was, I didn't bring this out. It's, it, I think it can be confusing. Hmm. So we, we are born again. We are full-fledged heirs and sons and daughters until we put ourselves back under the tutor, the law. Why would we do that? We do it all the time, unfortunately. And so we're under the dictates, and now we're trying to survive and live, and we're, we're under the law, and it can't be done. And so in chapter 8, Paul talks about the Holy Spirit, that we're set free. Come on now, let's, let's you know, walk by the Spirit. Let's set our minds on the things of the Spirit. So then he says in verse 14, For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, all those who are allowing the Spirit of God to control their life, all who are walking in the Spirit, all who are setting their minds on the things of the Spirit and living in light of this new covenant Spirit age, those are the sons of God. You, you, so why would you act like a, a under the tutelage of the law again? So technically, what I think Paul is saying here is not every born-again Christian can be, at least functionally, be viewed as a full-fledged son or daughter of God because you're not acting like it. Of the, the, all who are being led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. You see? And, so and, is it kind of like we're, we're, we've been adopted, but then when we are choosing to walk in the flesh, then we're acting like orphans. Yeah, or enslaved or under that kids. tutelage of the law again. We're, and, and going back under there, it's we're getting slapped up by the law, and, and we don't need that. We need to be directed by the Holy Spirit. Mm. And those who are, have, who are walking by that power of the Holy Spirit, these truly are acting and living like these are sons of God. These are the full-fledged daughters. These are the truly, um, uh, you know, uh, now the adoption thing, you're adopted in. You can be adopted in as a, as a child and be under that tutelage. And then at some point at that proper time, you become that full-fledged heir. I think what Paul is saying, using that analogy, is that we're all adopted in God's family at the moment of faith. But we don't act like a full-fledged heir, a true son and daughter uh, as an heir until we're walking by the Spirit, until we're, we've grown in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. And so verse 14 again, all who are being led by the Spirit, these are so the it, sons and daughters of God. So it doesn't necessarily <clears throat> change our position. That's exactly right. Our position doesn't change, and our identity as being That's called a son or daughter and Christ doesn't change, but our experience of living it out, living it out, right, which is the whole is, point of chapter eight. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Now, other you'll you'll read a lot of commentaries that will say, "Well, you really aren't a born again Christian if if you are living in Romans seven, or if you're you're living in the flesh." Well, you know, and then go to verse fourteen and says, "Well, it, you see, it says all those who are being led by the Spirit; these are the sons of God, as if these are the true born again believers." If, if, if you are not allowing the Spirit of God to control you, you probably aren't a true believer. That's not what Paul is saying here. And so it's, he's talking about people who, like himself in chapter 7, had slipped back under the tutor of the law mm-hmm. and not acting like that, that uh, full-fledged heir who had reached that age of maturity. Which is also the picture of like the prodigal son in many ways and how he's... Um, He's a son, but he makes that choice to his like experiences. Yeah, his experiences to leave his father, take what he can, and run with it. And but when he comes back, he still has that position of son. He doesn't think like he's he's not thinking he's my dad's going to take me back in. But his dad does. Yeah, and celebrates. Yeah, and and, and how this all works, you know. There, there are, in a given week, there are times I slip back under like I'm under the law, like I'm a, I'm a child needing the, the, the tutelage of the, the law, the yeah. guardian again. Mm-hmm. And it's, why would I put myself under that? When chapter 8 is calling us to set our minds on the things of the Spirit, to enjoy the full benefits of adopted uh, sonship and, and and daughtership, you know, to be a full fledged heir. So, so why do we do that? Why do we put ourselves under it? Is it because it's more more familiar to us? Is it because it makes sense? The the law based mentality some, sometimes more easily palatable for us. Why do we? Why do we do it? Yeah. Well, how many times in Scripture in the New Testament do we hear the exhortation, "Do not be deceived, my beloved fellow believers." We're so easily deceived. Why does that deception come in? Well, we've known First John, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And and Second um, Corinthians chapter eleven, verse three. I fear for you, lest as Eve was deceived, your minds might be led astray from the simplicity of devotion to Christ. I mean, we're this is spiritual warfare, mm-hmm. so we can never underestimate that. And 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 yeah. So again, and then then we're in, encased in this body of sin. You get tired. You get, I don't know how many times, uh, you know, my flesh will show up when mm-hmm. I get run down or I get tired or you get... Well, yeah, sin clouds are I just didn't sleep enough. In yeah. Yeah. Way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So the devil made me do it or my lack of... Or the new baby made me do it. No, but, <laughs> yeah. but, 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 but again, we are susceptible to that. And mm-hmm. it is. So why do we do it? Because in that moment of time, I actually think mm-hmm. that raising my voice and being angry will accomplish the thing I want to accomplish. It's a lie. You know, what a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. In that moment, I believe the lie that by gratifying this flesh or by letting off steam or by letting, you know, whatever, I'm going to actually find life. It's the age old Satan comes to Eve. You know, you, you want to find real life? You really want to live? Well, take of the fruit. Mm. It, it's, it, it's do what God tells you not to do. Or don't do what God tells you to do, and you'll really experience life because he's holding out on you. And for those moments, we actually believe it, and we slip into it, and we're so easily 
yeah. um, led astray. Well, I think we're prone to do the personal thing instead of do the, the right thing. And I, I think one reason for that is we can't often see the impact of, of letting the Lord work through us or, or, or thinking like God does, right? Cause, I mean, you even brought this up at, at the youth barn party we just had, the unseen realm, everything that's going on, so much more than meets the eye, right? But we don't, we're not in tune, we're not measuring our standards or our, you know, what's the yield of my work and efforts here, so I I, I think limited. we have to, living, living the Christian life is, is not for the faint of heart. I, hmm. There's, in one sense, nothing easier. It's letting the Spirit of God control us, but at the same time, there's nothing harder either. So you're in a situation and that you know can can it so easily will push your buttons, whatever it might be. It's a, you know that particular person or or situation. You know holidays are coming up and boy, you know Aunt Tilly. I mean she comes here. I she you know she drives me crazy, <laughs> and I'm going to say something I shouldn't say. You know what well, we go in, we sh- we need to go into those things prayed up, prepared. Yeah. Right. Because we're this is spiritual warfare. Well, and we need to be dependent on the Spirit. Yes. Because verse 16 says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And so the Holy Spirit is there to remind us, No, you're mine. You belong to me. You don't have to go down that road. You don't have to make those choices. I've provided something so much better for yeah. you to and walk in that. Yeah. Walk in so that. Set your mind on that. Walk in that. And... And, and again, like I talked about the week before, the value of the community. We need to be, we re- need to uh, remind each other of those things. But we, we've got to face life and go through life with our eyes wide open. Right. Uh, and I'm preaching to myself on this as well. I mean, we, Yeah. It, it, look, I, I, I can sit down and watch a Nebraska football game and be absolutely, now I'm much better. Believe me, I'm much better. <laughs> the day was, I tell you what, the day was, when I was a young pastor in preaching in Nebraska, and we'd get beat by Oklahoma last game of the season, might as well not even go to church. I'm telling you, because not only Why am I preaching in the about flesh, hell so much. Not only am I in the flesh, my entire congregation is in the flesh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so things like but church so is you, canceled. You got to go and be prepared for that. Mm-hmm. That 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 you know, mm-hmm. stupid little things like that can mm-hmm. suck you and drain you. Right. So that that brings to mind. So. When you were talking about family blessings and being adopted, and um, one of our blessings is in relation to God the Spirit. And um, you used the terminology uh, for the Holy Spirit that he um, acts with holy violence. Mm-hmm. Um, and at first I was like, what? <laughs> like that kind of set me back a little bit because I was thinking, the Holy Spirit leads and comforts and directs and that sort of thing. But then as I started to think more about the passage that um, we're, we're, we're debtors not to the flesh, not to live according to the flesh, because if we live according to the flesh, we're going to die. But to put to, we're to put the, the deeds to death, the deeds of the, the body. And so the that that holy violence um once i realized that the holy spirit is there to lead us to kill sin i was like oh the light bulb went on for me and i was like now that's totally appropriate Mm -hmm. that the holy spirit leads me to kill sin with that holy violence to to fight it because 
you know, not to let sin kill me, but to kill sin mm. and to be out in like full fledged war against sin, which is my death. Yeah. And, and that's serious. So it, those types, those terminologies, those terms that are used really, ra again, raises this this thing called the Christian life to a, a really intense, it's yeah. an intense level. It's a yeah. battle. It yeah. is a battle. Yeah. 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 But not then, a brunch. But, but then when I was thinking about it, oh, how, how kind the Holy Spirit is to, to, um, that, that's strong, powerful language, yeah. holy violence, but he's, he is working on my behalf and he wants nothing but my good yeah. and that's yeah. what's necessary to kill sin yeah. to put it to death and it makes the crucifixion taste a little bit sweeter and become a little bit more real and you start to realize the, the utmost degree to which things are happening whether you're a part of them or not and, and i was at passion city conference in atlanta 2016 i think and one of the speakers, John Piper, comes out, and, and the first thing he says, this is in Atlanta Falcons Stadium, 80,000 mm -hmm. young adults, mm -hmm. 18 to 25, uh, and he just starts <laughs> you know, banging on the pulpit like right away, right at the beginning. He just says, Christians must hate. That's all he said. And then he was quiet for like 20 seconds. You could hear like 80,000 people go, huh? <laughs> and then he just talks about how we must hate sin, and he just, you know, Scripture on top of Scripture on top of Scripture, and it really paints that vivid picture of... Yeah. Man, I've been blind to all this stuff. Yeah, because we think it's comfy. We think it's cute, innocent, yeah. comfy. You know, boys will be boys. Oh, look at what they did, or all oh, that's just the way my granddaddy is. And, and my only caution for, for in listening to some speakers like that is that they, uh, I think, unfortunately, take it to one step further. Absolutely. And say, if you don't do that, mm -hmm. then you're not really a born again Christian, mm -hmm. right? Because yep. every born again Christian is going to do that. So if you don't exhibit that passion uh, and that then, same then you're absolutely. not you're, then you're not saved which is not th the case at all but right. Right. i appreciate that intensity because that mm -hmm. i think is what you're saying too that's that's well, what this passage that, is trying the, to communicate that the holy spirit is um fighting for us and um equipping us to fight sin that is evidence of the spirit in us that's and right. that hmm. oh wait look I'm I'm feeling the struggle. I'm a child of God. It's another evidence of. And you look, brought that out in verse sixteen. So yes. so his the spirit is testifying with our spirit, right? In 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 cooperation with us that this we, right. we're children of God and this is what we so do. So ultimately, this. that's an encouragement to us as mm. we fight sin. Oh, the power of God! He's he's in me, he's in me, he's equipping me. Yeah, and that's an encouragement. It is. Yeah, and and he doesn't play games with us. If he says he's going to equip you, if he says he's going to give you love, joy, and peace, and patience, if you walk with him. He's a promise keeper. Yep. It's, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Yeah. Now, the, the other question, the other side of this thing is, um, going back to going to verse 17, is, is that as believers in Jesus Christ, we're children of God. Uh, he says that we're heirs. Uh, we're heirs of God. So... There's this, we're adopted into his family, and as we walk by the Spirit, we get this full-fledged privilege of being, uh, you know, full-fledged heirs, sons and daughters, um, and, and, um, and he says we're heirs of God. Um, but then there's this other little phrase, and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer for him, so that we can also be glorified with him. And that actually got more questions after the sermon than than the whole adoption thing. Yes. And so um, we, 
I guess yeah. we should talk about that a little bit too. Yeah, I'd love for you to talk about that. Our um, our small group, that was where we landed. I, I kind of was thinking, well, we probably would land on the adoption theme, but no, we all honed into verse 17. And um, in my Bible, um, it I'll read, I'm reading from the ESV. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Our, one of my first questions is we couldn't figure out why to take the comma out. That was one of our first questions because we're, we're like, how does it change the reading? So maybe answer that question okay. first and then we'll dive into some of the other questions we had. Wait, say that again, uh, taking okay, the so, comma out based yeah, on another translation? Yeah, because he, no, well, it doesn't, I, okay. my translation, your translation, they, most of the translations, I think, have the comma after mm -hmm. Christ. Right, right. And in the sermon, he told us that was our homework, to go home and wipe <laughs> that out. Oh, and, oh yeah, yeah, okay. And okay. I, so I, we couldn't figure out why we should wipe the comma out. So the question is, is in verse um, eight, uh, 17, are there two inheritances or one? And depending on where you place the comma, so if you if you place the comma after Christ, it's like one combined inheritance. We if children were heirs, heirs of God and heirs also with Christ. Okay. Comma. Mm -hmm. If you suffer with them, I'm tracking. Okay, so that combines merges the two into kind of one inheritance. Lump sum. One okay. Where. I think the intention of what Paul is saying here is that there's two inheritances. Okay, so then that leads in. So the comma the next... goes then after God. So, so the comma goes after and God. And if children, heirs, of God, heirs also, heirs of God, and, and comma, and Fellow heirs of Christ, of Christ if, so that there's no comma after Christ, the thought is that the thought flows, and heirs of Christ if we suffer with him. Okay. So was that so... rewards? Yeah, so can you p develop that? Is that rewards? Is there, what's the difference between an heir versus a co-heir? How does that work into this text? Yeah, if, if, if I'm understanding this properly, and there's another little um, syntactical or uh, grammatical indicator in the verse, there's two little particles in the Greek language, uh, de, which is D-E, and men, M-E-N, de-men, which means on the one hand, and then on the other hand. So the first on the one hand is there at the very beginning of verse 17. Uh, and if children, um, uh, on the one hand, heirs of God, and on the other hand, fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with them. So there seems to be some indicators. Um, and then uh, there's also um, the, the little word if. It's it's different in the first part of the sentence, and it's a little different in the second part of the sentence. So, the, the, it's a conditional thing. Right. What, what Paul is talking about. Right. So the 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 first part is um, is the and if children and that little if would be considered more of what's called a first class condition. It's a condition, and it's assumed to be true based on what I've just said, and if children, in the context, well, I'm talking about you as children, then you're heirs of God. Children become heirs. Right. So as children yeah, of God, we're heirs that, of God. He's Believers. that argument of Believers. We're, we have assurance that we're heirs. We're heirs of God. Mm -hmm. And that's where the comma goes. And now he's adding a, a secondary thought. And it's almost like, and by the way, or on the other hand, 
you become a co-heir with Christ if, that's a little different if, and it's, it, it's more of, of the conditional, um, if indeed you suffer with him. So the co-heirship of Christ is conditioned upon um, suffering with him. Those become, those are linked. You're a co-heir with Christ if indeed you suffer with him in order that you can be glorified with him. So, okay, what is Paul suggesting here? Mm -hmm. He's suggesting there's two, every child of God is, is an heir of God and all that that unfolds of going to heaven and, and just being a part of the family of God. But he's inserting something and it's, and it's going to tip off because in the following context, he's going to talk about suffering, mm -hmm. that um, th th there is something that awaits um, children of God who, um, and this is what has to be interpreted, who suffer for Christ. Um, and you see this all throughout the New Testament, this, this call to suffer. You take the, um, uh, John 16, 1 through 4, Jesus is praying, uh, getting his disciples prepared for that hour that is to come. Um, and he's telling them in John 16 that, you know, most likely you're going to be killed for Christ. For, for my for my namesake and we know that's true other than John John was um, um, sentenced to the Isle of Patmos where he lived out into old age everybody else died so there was this call to you, they're going to drag you before the synagogue officials they're, they're going to put false witnesses you're going to die um, second Timothy chapter 2 um, 8 through 13 is another passage second uh, Timothy 2 and this is of course at the end of Paul's um, Almost life. Mm -hmm. uh, verse 8, chapter 2 of Second uh, Timothy, he says, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descendant of David, according to my gospel, for which I suffer hardship, even to imprisonment as a criminal. But the word of God is not in prison, and this, for this reason I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen, so that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus, and with it eternal glory. And then he says this. It's kind of an old ancient um, hymn. It's a trustworthy statement that if we died with him, we shall live with him. If we endure, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. Verse 13 says, if we are faithless, well, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. So here's this call. Paul just talked about his own imprisonment, his suffering for the cause of Christ, his endurance in that suffering. And then he says, if we endure we will reign with him. Now that's again a conditional statement. Mm -hmm. To reign with Christ is based on our... Not everybody's going to do it. Not everybody's going to do it. It seems to imply. Right. Because it says after that, if we deny him, obviously they're not enduring. Mm -hmm. So the pressure of being a Christian comes in the world, you know, d deny Christ or, 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 or die. Okay, and they deny him. And they will be denied. Well, what will they be denied? Well, what had he just said? To reign with him. Uh, but if we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. And so we it, don't lose our salvation, but all we that, do lose that reward. All that is sorted at the judgment seat of Christ? Yeah, I think so. So how, yeah. like, um, for, for the suffering, how is it that that's determined what level of suffering, Good. you know, versus, because we're... Yeah. As Christians, we're all um, in, we're 
the cross is central to us and we're called to walk in the way of the cross and um we're that path of suffering seems to be something that is for all christians from like luke nine twenty three, deny yourself and take up your cross daily and follow me yeah the um, problem is not everybody does that all who and then second mm. timothy three twelve, all who desire to live a godly life in christ jesus will be persecuted um Hebrews 12, 6 and 7 talks about how God disciplines the ones that he loves and how he chastises every one of his children. Acts 14, 22, though through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. So um, <clears throat> it just seems like that's kind of a call for all Christians. It is. And, but they don't all follow it. They exactly. But not all follow and, and heed that call. And, and, and then, again, going back, I think what you're also asking and what people have asked is, so what... What's the line? What's the line? What constitutes suffering? Yeah, now, right. Let me read right. to you Revelation 20. Revelation 20 says, uh, um, verse 4, Then I saw thrones, and they uh, sat on them, and judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony of Jesus and because of the Word of God. Um there was something going on there in glory and there, there there's this there's this elevating and this lifting up of those who give their life for the cause of christ i mean and in the first century that was very very real right very real mm. right right of the book of hebrews in chapter 10 is it um 10 32 said that you endured a great conflict of suffering to the point of you lost your homes mm -hmm. you were imprisoned but then later in chapter 12, he says, but you haven't yet shed blood for the cause right. of Christ. Right, yeah. So, but, but that was so very real. And all I was trying to communicate, and, I, and sometimes you overstate the point to make the point, it's, mm -hmm. uh, you know, but it, it, it is that in America, we just have really never had to worry about that. Of, of where- The bloodshed. The, yeah, that, that intensity of suffering. Now, I, I don't know for sure. It's, it, you know, the, the scriptures are a bit, uh, not a bit, it's kind of open-ended. It, it was clear to Paul, if we suffer with him, we will reign with him. I would have loved to say, okay, Paul, d does that mean like when my friends at school when I was in eighth grade laughed at me because I went to Bible study or youth group? Would, would that, do I get to reign with Christ if they laughed at me? And he may thought, What? No, but now if they put a gun to your head and said, you know, laugh at Jesus with us or die, you know, I, do, you, do you see? And I, I think sometimes in America, we so minimize what suffering is. We, we just have never developed a theology of suffering. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's good. Like other countries and, and believers in other countries. I don't know. I, right. Now, let me add this, though. In the context of what Paul is talking about, he is talking about this struggle with the flesh. Right. And that's where, like, I'm, I'm trying to sort through this because in our humanness um, and living in a fallen world, there is, there is suffering for Christians on a daily basis and simply because we're not in heaven yet. And so um, should we be, like, 
actively seeking martyrdom to be to get to that higher level because then is are we looking for works righteousness then but like get well, me up there i want to get up in that no air position we, we we always whatever we do in word or deed we do it for his honor and glory right if that means we lose our homes right. we lose our lives so be it we don't go out trying to lose our homes and lives so that we can earn this. Mm -hmm. That's not, but it is something you earn. It is a reward to co-heir, to reign with Christ in his kingdom to come. That's the glory that he's talking about. Right. Again, I think it's a misinterpretation to take mm -hmm. these passages and say he's referring to heaven. No, he's referring to, to earth, to, to, to that <laughs> yeah. reign of right. Jesus. Yeah. Um, and, um, and then there's the ditch on the other side where you're not a believer if you're not that's encountering right. these things, right? And that's so okay. very prevalent today. Right. And that's, again, right. we have to avoid that. He's talking about a call to believers, and it's almost like a throwaway comment, although he's going to talk about suffering, but it was mm -hmm. very real to the people he's writing to. They're writing, mm -hmm. He's writing to people who are in the seat of the empire that hated Christos. I mean, mm -hmm. Paul is writing this in a few short years. Nero is going to put, you know, putting Christians on the stake and burn them. To light up his gardens. Yeah. So uh, those, you're going to reign with Christ. You gave your life. You persevered in suffering. And I think that's the key. You're persevering in that suffering for the cause of Christ. Now, let me back up, though, again to what I was saying and to what you're alluding to, Alicia. So I, I remember years ago, years ago at Fellowship Bible Church, we had a guy from China speaking, sharing his testimony. And who had been imprisoned in China. And, you know, we're sitting all there thinking, wow, you know, this, you, you get gripped by those stories of in, incredible mm -hmm. faith oh, and yes, sacrifice. Absolutely. And then he shocked me, and I'm, I'm thinking he shocked everybody who heard him. And he said, but by the way, you Americans have your own prison. And we stopped for a moment to think, what? He said, your prison is materialism. Mm -hmm. So let me ask people listening, let me ask us. If God told us to sell our home, downsize, to live in something of more squalor and give our money for the poor or for the furtherance of gospel, would we sacrifice and do that? That just might be the kind of suffering Jesus is talking about. Well, and just and that, who like, acts, and how many Americans are willing to do that? And that was that was something like um Barnabas selling his land and so to be able to provide for the people who Son needed of it. Encouragement. The, yes, yes. And and those who didn't and lied about it. And, and, and Ananias and Sapphira. Right. Yeah, I, yeah. I, so so yeah, it can it doesn't mean that we have a gun to our head and we have to deny Jesus or you know, before we get to co reign with him. It may mean how we're living now in the right. affluence around us, and are we? What are we willing to do with what we have? Yeah, and do we do we succumb to the flesh mm -hmm. and the desires of the, the the needs of our body? You know, the, the the fleshly things, and what's mine is mine, and you know whatever. And yeah, God gives us everything richly to enjoy. Oh, I love that verse because we can slap it on just about anything we want to purchase or buy mm. or get a raise. <laughs> Boy, we're going to raise our uh, standard of living. Mm. Uh, that's what I'm talking about, and I think that's what Paul is referring to. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit so desperately right. to lead us and guide us so that we have wisdom um, 
what he's calling us to. And every person's situation is different. That's right. And is, is it fair to yeah. say that's why it came up this weekend to talk about to put it in perspective and to start to think critically about suffering yeah. less than than you saying, well, here's the line. It's that it's bloodshed or anything like that. I think it's a conversation that we have to talk. To. Great. But to your point again, Alicia, we have to go before the Lord and say, what does it mean for me? Mm -hmm. Because what it means for me might be different than what it means for you. Mm -hmm. We all have, it's it's a movable line for everybody. That's why Jesus and God didn't chisel it in, you know, in stone that says, oh, because then we would know or whatever. And then we, then we hmm. actually would put ourselves back under the law, the tutor, to tell us what to do as opposed, as opposed to being led by the Spirit. And, and that, that brings glory to God in those, just even with our little decisions of choosing Him um, and making those decisions of this is for you, Lord. This is That's because right. of you. And just the little things and by the Spirit being plugged into that power source and knowing where he's my. So I'll just go straight to my application from this whole thing. It's quite simple to believe and to pray. And the first thing to believe when we think about all of these amazing truths, the things that we're learning in Romans and when we're setting our minds on the spirit and really believing, oh, I am adopted. I'm an heir. I am an heir. I, I not only am going to um, get everything that belongs to God, but the better thing is we actually get God. We, we have him now and he's our inheritance in mm -hmm. the Trinity. Mm -hmm. We've got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so the second thing is to, to pray that God would take these truths and minister to my heart and to give me assurance in these truths that we're learning so that my affections for him would grow deeper, that I would, I would long for more of him, mm -hmm. to know him deeper, and that he would give me eyes to see my need for him, that I wouldn't be walking in self-sufficiency to think, oh, I got to do this, that, or other, but to really, um, just to really let God penetrate these truths into my heart so that I can respond with worship, with my life. The entirety of who we are. And with the promise of knowing, and Jesus said it this way, whatever you have lost in this life, you will gain it a hundredfold yes. in the next in life. Yeah. So don't worry. If it means sacrificing your all, um, you, you get to co-reign with Christ one day in glory and share in his glory. Yeah. So you may lose everything now. What are you willing to give up but it, for that's me? That's so temporary. It's so it's temporary. It's so temporary. And that's what he says in verse uh, yeah, we're gonna, uh, eight, we're gonna, 18. Yeah, and we're getting we'll ready see next to get week. there yeah. next week, which is really hard not to like jump into that. But <laughs> <laughs> that's exciting that that's what's coming next yeah. week because that's going to give us a lot of yeah. hope. The future glory to reign with Christ will always involve sacrifice of some sort here and now. Mm -hmm. the, let's let the Spirit of God lead us and he'll direct us, whatever it is in our, our personal walk with him, in any given day, he may ask us to give up something. Our time, so we meet with that person, our, our talents of some sort to give where we didn't want to give it, or you know, our treasures to let it go and give it our, our very selves. So yeah, um, co-reigning with Christ is always going to involve some sacrifice, will always be an heir of God in heaven. And an heir of Christ, if indeed we suffer for him. And that's where we leave it. 
need a drink of water. <laughs> that was super good. All right, let me jump into uh, a time of announcement before I wrap us up. Mark Francis sent me a well-detailed email. Uh, first announcement, follow the sp uh, star. I want to uh, explain a little bit about that. Um, part of being a member of the Body of Christ is to use your specific gifts and talents to edify the church. Uh, over these last several weeks, you've probably heard us mentioning the idea of prioritizing the body. That's something the elders have been talking about, we've been announcing. In just a couple weeks, there's another opportunity to be engaged uh, with not only the body here at FBC, did, but did also... Did you say engaged or engaged? Engaged, and, yeah. And <laughs> I think you said engaged. Entrapped. There's an opportunity to be entrapped uh, in the local Winchester community. Middle Road, you might feel Sacrifice, entrapped. sacrifice. You might feel entrapped on Middle Road. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, our largest annual outreach event of the year, Follow the Stars, just around the corner. This will be the 11th year we have held Follow the Star. And for those of you who are new or maybe haven't experienced it, this is truly a picture of our FBC. This is so long. Our body at work and on a grand scale using all our gifts and talents to present the gospel to our community in a clear and creative way. December 5th and 6th, 5 to 9 p.m. It's on FBC's campus. Don't go to the battlefield. There will be Zippo people there. Um, but come to FBC's campus. It'll be a ton of fun. Uh, a driving tour will take you through scene by scene, a story of Christ's birth. Narrations of these scenes and of the story have been recorded. You'll be able to listen while driving uh, in the comfort of your car. Um, those scenes will be presented by FBC actors. Um, so be ready for that. I miss, could you go back and repeat that? Miss, <laughs> yeah, that's not, that is not happening. Uh, as we prepare for that weekend, we're be here, here we go. We want, we want to ask you, uh, our listeners and members of FBC, consider these two things. First, we need your help to make it all happen. There are specific roles that still need filled for that specific weekend. Uh, and then also invite those you know to attend, especially people who maybe aren't able to make the walk or survive in the temperature for hours on end. This is a perfect time to come to follow the star. So, so like... If any wives are listening, if your husband kind of looks like a camel, see if oh, he could, natural. we need that role, Na natural camel. And nobody's going to hear him, so he doesn't need to speak. He just no, needs to just, look the just part. Look like <laughs> just look the part. Uh, Sign him up. And then invite those around you to attend. All that to say, ladies and gentlemen, uh, fbcva.life forward slash follow the star is where you can find all that stuff. We mentioned this on Sunday. I'll mention it real quickly before we get out of here. Uh, COVID gathering protocol. We are aware that the governor announced some new limitations on gatherings this past week, but we are pleased to see that there are exceptions both for religious gatherings and educational instruction, as long as we continue to follow the COVID protocols that we instituted months ago. We desire to maintain a welcoming atmosphere, but also be mindful of the pandemic and desire to have a healthy uh, and safe community uh, to meet together. Based on this, we will continue our weekend services and studies during the week. Please make sure you subscribe to our email updates at fbcva.life forward slash subscribe to keep up on the latest announcements. Good. Be safe, yeah. be smart. Be okay. safe, be smart, and wear your seatbelts. Thank you guys for listening. fbcva.life forward slash sermon spotlight is your one-stop shop we're your safe for, for the, for right the here, podcast. Right. Uh, drop us a review. Podcast services all over the place. HD audio and video go up Tuesday nights. The fact of the matter, everybody, is that sermons that I mentioned just take an hour, but transform a lifetime. Until next week, much love.